Our very existence depends on this. Black strength. Strength that has carried us for decades, but is undermining an important aspect of our humanity, feeding in on itself. Being strong all the time took away our ability to speak about our weaknesses, our sadness, our mental illnesses. This silence is killing us. Welcome to another edition of the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Black Doctor Speak is your source for vetted, accurate information on African-American health from some of the nation's top doctors and is sponsored by the African-American Wellness Project. Welcome to the African-American Wellness Watch. I'm your moderator, George Strait. Heart disease is the nation's number one killer. That's right, I said it, heart disease, not COVID, not cancer. It's heart disease, it still is. And why is that? Also, why are we 30% more likely to die from heart disease than whites? 30% more likely to have high cholesterol than whites and 40% more likely to have high blood pressure. So what do we do to fight these trends? Well, we've got a very special guest to help us both understand the problem, but also point us to some solutions. I'll leave the introductions to our host, Dr. Mike Lenore. Thanks, George. Dr. Antoine Keller is our guest. He's a world-renowned heart surgeon. While his practice is in Southern Louisiana, his impact is nationwide. Dr. Keller is the co-founder of HeartSense. HeartSense aims to address health disparities specifically by closing the care gap and access to heart health and education. Dr. Keller, welcome to our program. Thank you very much, Dr. Lenore. I'm honored to be here. I've long been an admirer of your work and of the African-American Wellness Project. While uh, this is my first time interacting with you all, I'm very excited that it's the first of many. Well, it certainly won't be the last. Uh, the first question I have for you is how does how HeartSense work and how can it benefit our audience? Well, one of the things that we felt uh, when we were designing the HeartSense program was that there are certain things that we know are true. And as uh, Mr. Strait alluded to earlier, African-Americans have higher rates of heart disease, higher rates of death from heart disease, higher rates of uh, under treatment for heart disease than any other population in this country. And in order to be able to have an impact on that issue, we have to find out what the root cause of that disparity is. Of course, we can look at outcomes and, and this is how we determine that there are significant disparities amongst racial and ethnic populations and geographically challenged populations and so forth in our country. But when it all comes down to it, access to care is one of the most significant barriers to health equity that we face. And, and this takes uh, many forms, uh, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later, but it's really important to understand that uh, receiving the care is only part of the problem. Having access to the care is another part of the problem. And then realizing that you have a problem uh, in the first place is perhaps the biggest problem at all. So this is what we have tried to do with our HeartSense program. We've tried to go into the community and overcome some of the barriers that uh, exist, whether they're institutional barriers or structural barriers or cultural and social barriers. We educate people in the community. We touch people in the community. We give them confidence that they can go to the doctor and understand what's wrong with them they can take care of their wellness and become engaged in their health care, and they can uh, 
live longer, healthier, healthier, happier lives and allow their family members to do the same. I'm sure that, uh, that you and, and Dr. Lenore will get more, more detailed about HeartSense and the kinds of screenings and the kinds of programs that you have, but I'd like to ask something sort of very, very basic if I might. Are African-Americans just more susceptible to heart disease? Is that one of the reasons why we get uh, so much more of it? So it's, it's a good question. One of the most uh, common uh, reasons that I get from patients and their family members and I'm in my office is that, you know, I understand that I have heart disease. There's nothing I can do about it because heart disease runs in my family. And it is one of the biggest misconceptions about heart disease. Yes, there are certain genetic predispositions to cardiovascular disease that uh, will uh, certainly uh, cause you to be more susceptible to certain kinds of cardiovascular disease than, than other people might be. But there are things that you can do to significantly reduce your risk of developing cardiovascular disease. And it all starts uh, by understanding what those risk factors are. And there are different kinds of risk factors. As you know, there are risk factors for heart disease that are modifiable and there are some that are not modifiable. Ones that are not modifiable are the genetic reasons, uh, the fact that uh, heart disease runs in families. Uh, you can't pick your age, you can't pick your sex. Uh, these things are not modifiable. So we, uh, we call them unmodifiable risk factors, but there are a lot of things that you can control and that you can optimize that can significantly reduce your risk of developing heart disease. Things like controlling your blood pressure, not living a sedentary lifestyle, getting exercise every day if possible, taking your blood pressure medicine, your cholesterol medicine, managing your diabetes or your prediabetes, all of these things we have fantastic remedies for in this day and age. And they do not necessarily uh, uh, commit you to having cardiovascular disease as an early, at an early age, even though your family members did. Well, George, I'd like to share a quick anecdote before we go into the next question. Um, you know, being a doctor, um, I'm a little bit more vigilant about some things and less vigilant about others. And when I was growing up, I had rheumatic heart disease and I've always carried a murmur. Uh, that murmur has never really caused me any difficulty, but every year, maybe reluctantly, maybe not every year, supposed to be every year, but like most doctors, I don't want any bad news. I get an echo. And all of my echoes that I've had through most of my life have been uh, fairly normal. Pressures like 33, 34. About four years ago, I went to get my routine echo after much prodding from my wife and great reluctance. And it turned out that my pressures were almost 60 across that valve, which immediately meant that I had significant aortic stenosis, although I was not uh, asymptomatic. Although I was although I was asymptomatic, which clearly demonstrates that you can have significant heart disease and not, uh, and not know it. And that's one of the reasons um, Dr. Antoine's program is so important. Absolutely, Dr. Lenore. This is one of the best illustrations of how cardiovascular disease does not necessarily have to mean a death sentence for people in the African-American community. If a black patient and a white patient have aortic stenosis, which is a blockage of the aortic valve, which 
keeps the blood from coming out of the heart when the part, heart pumps the blood to the rest of your body. If a black person and a white person have current therapy, which is transcatheter aortic valve replacement for this problem, then they have the exact same expectation of a favorable outcome. There is no difference in the outcomes between black patients and white patients having this catheter-based procedure where you can have the procedure one day and go home the very next day. Unfortunately, black patients are offered surgical aortic valve replacement where you have to crack the chest, take the old valve out, put the new valve in, spend a couple of weeks in the hospital and a couple of months recovering. Black people have this kind of surgical procedure twice as often as white patients do. And they have an attended mortality risk that's twice as high. So you have to understand why this is happening. And a lot of it has to do with access to care, access to specialists with uh, expertise and uh, tools that allow you to be able to take care of these things less invasively and access to diagnostic regimens that will allow for early intervention. All of these things are really important, specifically in the problem that you had, which was aortic stenosis. Yes, and the other thing to, point, to prove your point was that once I had the diagnosis, I went immediately to the literature and recognized that there was another procedure beside an open heart procedure that I could get, uh, although at that time it was experimental and primarily for people older people who couldn't take open heart surgery. And I got in a study at Stanford. Uh, it was a study that uh, looked at the Tarver procedure for less uh, aggressive aortic stenosis. Uh, and when you finish the study with all of the parameters of that study, there still was some work to do on my end. Because at the end of that study, they gave me two choices. One was watchful waiting, and the other was to have the Tarver procedure. And I was, because of the research project, put in the watch for waiting. Well, you know, I'm not going to watch for wait too long. <laughs> and so after about three weeks, I realized, at least I thought I realized, coming up the steps was just a little bit harder. Doing the things I used have been doing was a little bit more difficult. And I kept moving and moving the needle until I got the target procedure. That kind of process is not available for the average Black person. Yeah, so it, it was interesting uh, when you started telling your story, you said you didn't want to have any bad news. So you didn't want to go to the doctor and have him tell you something was wrong where you had to have open heart surgery. And that's completely understandable. I think that's normal. Nobody wants to hear that kind of news because uh, historically it has changed people's lives uh, because of the fact that they had to have this maximally invasive procedure uh, we call open heart surgery. Now that we have other ways to treat that problem, uh, people are more inclined to go get uh, diagnosis and therapy earlier. And that is one of the main reasons we started HeartSense because we know that uh, over time, as people age, they can develop heart murmurs. Heart murmurs don't always have to be present from birth. And actually one of the most common kinds of heart murmurs you can hear uh, just by putting a stethoscope on someone's chest. The problem is that people don't often go to the doctor uh, because they feel like they're doing well and they're not really having any symptoms, just as you were. And uh, so uh, nonetheless, they develop these heart murmurs as they get older. And it's kind of like hardening of the arteries for coronary arteries, but it happens to the heart valves. 
you can actually hear it when you listen. So we have been taking some artificial intelligence technology into underserved communities, going to community centers and churches and listening to people's hearts for heart murmurs. We have found that about 25% of all of the people we listen to randomly will have a heart murmur. Uh, and again, this, these heart murmurs develop as people get older, usually after they pass the age of 60. And when we find these heart murmurs, if we find them early enough, uh, then perhaps the patients will be able to have watchful waiting. But sometimes we find murmurs that are very severe. But the key is to find them early and to be able to uh, address them before people develop heart failure and develop irreversible damage to their heart muscle. And this is what we do. We go into the community, we listen to people's hearts, we tell them if they should go to see their doctor, and we tell them what to tell their doctor when they go to see their doctors. And it does an amazing thing for them and for their family members because they can actually see the heart murmur on a little printout that we make and they can become engaged in their wellness. And I know that that is a particular passion of yours and, and finding creative ways to be able to engage people in their wellness is one of the most important things we can do as clinicians in our community. To that, to that point, Dr. Keller, once, once you have done a screening in a location and you leave, what do you leave behind so that this kind of work can continue? And, and as you address that, also talk a little bit about some of the new treatments and interventions that actually hold the promise of stemming the tide of, of heart disease in all communities? Yes, it's a really good question because we want sustainability. We want to make a lasting change in the community to be able to give people the confidence to uh, interact with their healthcare professionals. And I have to say that one of the most impressive things about uh, this HeartSense project is that it has introduced me to an army of community health advocates, much like Dr. Lenore, that actually touch people in the community and impact their lives on a daily basis. And that's one of the most gratifying things about it for me. We have to engage people and inspire them to continue to do these kinds of things in their community after we leave. The best thing about what we do is that it's relatively inexpensive. Uh, for about $200 or $250, you can uh, buy a tool that will allow you to be able to screen people and tell you whether they have atrial fibrillation or aortic stenosis or uh, various other cardiovascular ailments uh, and allow them to have the confidence to have to go to see their doctor or go to whatever healthcare resource they have to get some more information. The, the most important thing for people to understand is that if you detect these things at an early time period in the time course of the disease process, many of the remedies are non-invasive or minimally invasive. But if you wait too long, then it becomes more invasive and it uh, is much more difficult to recover from. So inspiring people in the community to be advocates for themselves and for their family members and their community uh, is really an important part of our mission. Sorry, with regard to new technology, these digital stethoscopes that we use have artificial intelligence and they can actually tell whether someone has a heart murmur, even if physicians can't hear the heart murmur. One of the uh, things that is most 
uh, worrisome is that when patients go to their primary care doctor, about 40% of the time, the literature shows that the doctor doesn't even put the stethoscope on the patient's chest. Uh, this is a problem because we know that these things develop more often when people get older and, and someone with some expertise needs to be able to listen to the patient's heart to be able to tell if they have something that could potentially be a problem later on, even if they're not symptomatic as Dr. Lenore was. And the, the most impressive uh, quality of these digital stethoscopes is they allow someone who doesn't even have any medical expertise to determine whether someone actually has a heart murmur or not, and consequently whether they have significant structural heart disease or not. You don't need to be an MD or even a nurse to be able to tell whether someone has a heart murmur and, and should go and seek some expertise. I can remember a few years ago, and I wish it was just a few years ago, when uh, a white uh, fr uh, physician friend of mine asked if, if uh, said, well, you're over 50 now, and um, do you have a cardiologist? And I said, no, I don't. Do I need one? And he said, every black man and woman over the age of 50 should have a cardiologist. A, do you agree with that? And B, should that cardiologist be black? Oh, those are, those are two powerful questions, uh, Dr. Strait. Uh, uh, Mr. Strait, I think that uh, you should definitely have a cardiologist if you have a family All history right, of well, cardiovascular uh, disease. I don't know if we can say at the, what age I, you I should have it, but certainly you if you have early cardiovascular disease in your family, then you should have a cardiologist at an earlier uh, age than if you have or race neutral, uh, a number of relatives that are much older that have never had I think it uh, really is family-specific and person-specific. Um, the second part of your question know, is a little bit more interesting because, uh, you know, people often say, well, you know, I trained at Harvard or I trained at they're Yale and black. I'm a really good <laughs> doctor. And even though I'm white, I can go into the African-American community and do just as good a job or better than a black physician could. And um, it's really interesting to consider the cultural and social nuances in whatever community you're in when you're talking about delivering healthcare. And I use uh, an example that uh, I uh, saw recently uh, about the movies. I'm a big movie buff being from California. so. I heard someone say that there are two movies that are outstanding movies uh, and have outstanding directors. One is called Schindler's List, which was directed by Steven Spielberg, and the other is Goodfellas, which was directed by Martin Scorsese. Now, Spielberg did a really impressive job depicting Jewish culture uh, during the time of the Holocaust, and Scorsese also did an extremely good job depicting uh, Italian-American culture in Goodfellas. But if you would have had Spielberg direct Goodfellas and Scorsese direct Schindler's List, the nuances of those cultures would not have come through as well. And so I feel the same way about medicine. There are certain cultural factors 
and societal factors that Black physicians understand and have in their shared life experience with other Black patients that other groups might not really be able to understand the nuances of. And so uh, when I describe the story in that way, uh, sometimes it resonates with people and they understand that, yes, um, you know, if I have to take three buses uh, to go five miles to get to the doctor where I sit in the doctor's office all day and take a day off work and can't feed my family consequently and, and don't have childcare for my kids while I'm at the doctor's office and then have to take three buses on the way back that I may not want to go to the doctor as often as I should. Uh, but if no one has had this experience, they might not consider that as a factor. So these kinds of cultural factors and cultural familiarities really do impact uh, people and their uh, achieving uh, uh, health equity in their communities. Mike? Well, well, there's, so much, there's so much to be gathered from uh, Dr. Dr. Keller's discussion. Um, I think there, there's some some very positive things in there, but some very negative implications. Uh, when we've done the same type of study around the country looking for evidence of asthma, we find exactly the same thing. We find that uh, about 25% of athletes that are cleared to play have some substantial reactive airway disease. I'm sure that would be true if we were doing kidney screening or if we were doing breast cancer screening or other forms of screening, uh, but we're not. What we're depending upon primarily, black or white, is a primary care doctor to identify cardiopathology. Uh, and I think that's, that's, a, that's a problem because as we get further and further along in our careers, we do many more things by instinct than we do by the board. And so consequently, I think part of what um, has to happen and what this study points out and this project points out is that our primary care doctors need to know a bit more about what causes murmurs. And now with AI writing everything I do, I think having a small a stethoscope with, with the capacity to do that should be a must in black communities. Uh, on the other hand, I would have to say that we're so thankful for doctors like Dr. Keller who have decided to take on this kind of responsibility. In my particular case, I did have the Tarver procedure. I was in, the man wanted me to go home that same night. I didn't know whether because I was black or not, but of course, <laughs> I was smart enough to say, oh no, that's not going to happen. But I do congratulate him and say that what his project needs to be expanded a hundredfold almost every major um, part of this country that has substantial numbers of African-Americans. And I congratulate him for it. I appreciate your support very much, Dr. Lenore. And uh, I, I can feel how important you feel having physicians who are willing to go into the community to uh, touch underserved uh, citizens and to educate them and to help them participate in their wellness, uh, how important that is. And it is certainly something that I think goes beyond my job as a cardiovascular surgeon, but I could not do it without the help of so many clinicians and individuals in the community and community health advocates that really see value in what HeartSense is doing, and not the least of which is uh, Echo Health, which is a company that makes the digital stethoscopes that we use most often in our project. 
And then speaking of your, uh, your commitment, uh, we're having something in our community and we're glad to have it sponsored by a hundred black men of the Bay Area. We're going to have a hard screen uh, on October the 21st uh, at, a, at a church and you'll hear a lot more about it as we go through the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're encouraging every African-American that can come, do come uh, and get this screening. So uh, we'll be talking about this in a number of different venues with Dr. Keller uh, and with 100 Black Men of the Bay Area. Uh, and we're, I say we're glad to have you uh, come to our community and we hope to take full advantage of the knowledge and commitment that you bring. Well, I certainly appreciate the invitation. And as both of you know, the Bay Area is near and dear to my heart, having grown up there. And uh, it does me a lot of good to be able to come back and contribute to the community. Uh, and I appreciate the opportunity very much. And, and we're going to follow you around the country. Excellent. Wherever you, well, go, wherever you go, we're going to tell people that you're coming. Uh, you know, as we can reach. Yes, sir. You and Dr. Alexander has made sure that we take our HeartSense program worldwide, having been uh, to uh, Caribbean islands with him and with 100 Black men. And uh, I certainly uh, am enamored by all of the work that you all do and the commitment that you have to serving your community. It's really impressive. Well, George, that's pretty much all I have to say. What say you? Well, what, what I have to say is that this has been a really, truly remarkable discussion. Uh, and uh, one that, uh, that, as I said at the beginning, it's not just about the problem, it's what are some of the solutions. And uh, I know that uh, Dr. Keller and Dr. Lenore will be at this screening uh, uh, in, the, in the Bay Area at the end of October. And we'll have a lot more information on that uh, in a number of different platforms, including our website. So I'd like to thank Dr. Keller. I'd like to thank Dr. Lenore. And thank all of our audience for watching and participating in this podcast. We've got an awful lot more information on heart disease and a number of other topics as well on our website, aawellnessproject.org. Dr. Lenore, any final thoughts? Always, we like to conclude our program with uh, something to remind our audience that health is your biggest asset. Protect it. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to hit the subscribe button so that new episodes are delivered directly to you every week, as well as rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, listening to our show is as simple as telling your Alexa, Siri, or Google to play the Black Doctor Speak podcast. Take care, everyone.